Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. We are on our way to 100, almost there, episode 95. I get a chance to chat with Anthony Serendrea, really cool dude. Um, loved his energy, loved his insight into a lot of things. You know, He's an entrepreneur, he's a keynote speaker, a philanthropist. Um, he's really recognized as someone that understands you know, custom, you know, customer generation, lead generation, how to actually drive traffic to different websites and brands. And we talk a lot about that on the episode, how we got into it, and also not just around the tactics around it, but actually some of the things he's doing to make sure he has a successful business and kind of growing and delegating and those type of things. So really enjoyed this wide-ranging conversation with him. I think you guys will enjoy it as well. So excited to jump right into it. And I hope you guys get a lot out of this interview with Anthony Serendrea. Let's get it started. Anthony, welcome to the podcast, man. Glad to have you. Hey, thanks for having me, bro. Super pumped to be here. Super pumped to chat with you. Um, I'm, I got a bunch of notes here. I was you know, doing some research, obviously, prior. And uh, I want to get in a lot of stuff you're doing today. Sure. But as I always like to do, I want to take a step back as well. I want people to get to know you a little bit, especially some of your upbringing. I'm always fascinated with a lot of the guests I have on kind of how that's played into what they're doing today. Sure. Um, sometimes in a very relevant way. Other times it's kind of like you don't even think about it until you're actually doing it. Um, right. Can you do this if you don't mind? Because I probably butchered it as I always do in the intro when I intro these uh, interviews. Give it the 30 seconds for folks listening, a little context. What are you doing today? Give kind of the overview of some of the things that you're dealing with today. And then yeah. we're going to take a step back. Appreciate it, bro. So we, uh, we're, we drive a little over a million customers per day online primarily. So we spend close to six figures on uh, different social outlets, Snapchat, Facebook, YouTube, um, even the Googles and natives of the world. And uh, really what we're doing is we're connecting a distressed American in some part of their finances that they could use help uh, to a organization that can actually do the servicing of that. Um, so so we, we sit very much like a lending tree or a nerd wallet, if people are familiar, but we focus on a, the underserved. So the people that are in high credit card debt, need help with their credit, uh, could want to keep more of their paycheck, things like that. So I want to take a step back because obviously what you're doing today, I'm assuming this is not what you thought you'd be doing, you know, five, 10 sure. years ago, maybe more. What did, when, th this is an interesting question. When you were growing up, when someone asked you a question of, hey, Anthony, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was your answer? Uh, everyone laughs at this one. Uh, a priest, number one. I grew up super Catholic because uh, I wanted to change the world and that's how I thought I was going to be able to do it. And then uh, number two was a lawyer because I loved to banter. Uh, so my parents always said, you're going to be a lawyer. And then I read the uh, Tim Ferriss, uh, 10 Reasons to Not Be a Lawyer, my freshman year of college and uh, I was done with that. <laughs> what was his, what was it, one of the things on the list? Why not to be, you remember? It was just, it broke, it broke it down like hourly, like what you're actually making. And then, you know, you got this facade with, with, uh, on TV and things like that. Like you're going to be like the badass in the courtroom doing this. This is where really like 90% of your time is like reading books and like reading, like, like uh, legal jargon and shit like that. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't even, I've got, I'm, I'm halfway fucking illiterate. I don't want to <laughs> do that all day long. So anyway. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that, that's what I want to do when I grew up. You and I are similar. That's what I wanted to actually, one of the, the couple things, but one of them was to be a lawyer. And it was, it was mine's pretty funny. It was because I used to watch Matlock. You remember Matlock? Okay, I don't know if yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy Griffith. But uh, yeah, I used to watch it with my grandfather. I was like, oh yeah, I want to be a lawyer. I want but to your point, yeah, 99% of it's book work and you know, mm -hmm. contracts mm -hmm. and stuff. And then 1% is actually in the courtroom. So I was like, well, yeah, now we're, maybe now not. Now we're seeing technology outpace a lot of these 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 industries, these high high you know expensive industries. Whether it's like just answers, you can talk to a lawyer for fifty bucks or whatever. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's uh it, it's great to see technology start to like move some of these like traditional that your parents tell you you should grow up and be. Um, you know, it's it's great seeing technology start start to uh, uh, really disrupt some of these spaces. Yeah. And I want to ask you quickly because because you mentioned when we had chatted before, you know, your dad was NYPD, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious, and I, I, I want to bring that up again because you know how did that? That's a obviously that career, right? There's a lot of a lot of things that could happen in that career. It's you know obviously he's putting his life in the line every day. How yeah. did that impact you? Kind of you know having him go to work and do that. I'm curious if that impacted you at all in terms of what you're doing today, whether professionally, but also maybe some of the personal things as well. Yeah, I think I think part of the you know serving the community kind of kind of feel around that is there. Um, I think some of the other things that really stuck with it is kind of the, uh, the, the, the family or the team orientation there. So my team, I, I very much feel like a unit, even though we're not necessarily putting our lives on the line. 
I think everybody internally feels like whether it's emotionally, spiritually, uh, work-wise is, uh, is really picking each other up as if we are. There's a, uh, there's a great book uh, called Extreme Ownership by um, uh, Jokum Willick or something. I'm going to mispronunciate his name, but it's just this idea that like at war or like, or in service, you're, um, you, you know, it, there's, there's no one to blame but yourself. So if, if you're on the line and you die, I can't be like, oh, it's your fault. You jumped out there. I have to take extreme ownership and be like, I should have trained Brian better, or I should have been there and talked to him, communicated better, things like that. So that extreme ownership that a lot of people take in war, uh, applying that to business and to the team is, is something that, you know, when I reflect back, I look at it and, it, and a lot of those upbringings of like <clears throat> focus on those around you and team and an extreme ownership that I'm sure learned a lot from him, you know, his service being as a cop uh, really have, have applied a lot to, to our internal team today and how, how we communicate with each other. Wow. And when did, uh, so when did entrepreneurship become like a thing for you? Cause I think you talked about, you know, kind of some of the stuff you did at ASU in terms of entrepreneurship community help there. Like when did that say, Hey, I don't want to be a priest anymore. I actually want to go this other path. Was that in yeah. high school? Was that in college? When did that start? Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's kind of like, it's kind of cliche. Like I, I grew up, I, I just wanted to help people. And I really, I really did when I was a kid, I was like, it's going to be you know, being a priest, I'm going to be able to uh, feed the homeless. I'm going to be able to pray for people in their times of need and things like that. Um, and then I learned about this little thing called the internet. And I realized I didn't have to geographically or time bound be limited to the impact I can make. <clears throat> so again, a little cliche, but it, it, I was hooked with the idea that I could impact someone in North Carolina or in New York um, while I'm sleeping. And it was like that, that idea, just like for some reason, just like caught on my head. And it wasn't even necessarily entrepreneurship that, that took off right then. It was this idea of uh, infinite scalability on, that the internet al allows you to do with, with, with your voice or with your business or with your product or your service or things like that. And then I think that slowly just molded into, okay, well, what kind of product, what kind of industries can we work in or do that, that allow and make that impact? And I think, I think a lot of times that's how entrepreneurship is born is I think the, or at least the, the right ones, it's, it's like, where is, you know, AKA everything I just said is where's your passion lie? You know, where's your passion? And uh, I think a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs realize that uh, the best way to carry out their passion is through entrepreneurship. It's through growing a business. It's, it's serving a market that you don't, that you see that there's a gap in today. Um, and I think by definition that's entrepreneurship, but I never, yeah, I never grew up. I still don't even like, like I remember my friend told me one time, he goes, oh, you're never going to, you're not going to work for anyone. You're going to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, I remember being like, thanks, but I didn't really believe it. I didn't really get it. Cause I was so like, I was like, you know, they, they say, you know, feed the, you know, medicine to a dog with peanut butter. I was just like, I was just following my passion, which was, I, I just wanted to help people. I knew I could do it via the internet. And then I started realizing I wanted to help people with their finances. And then I said, Oh, there's a gap in what's happening today for the underserved. And then through that kind of, kind of natural kind of, uh, you know, river, river run, uh, it, you know, there lies me being, an, you know, defined as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and, and that's where, you know, you and I, when we talked before, there's some similarities. I, I was kind of the same way, especially growing up. You kind of have that feel like almost like you're a little different where you're like, yeah, I want to help people, but like in a different way. I don't know. It, it's hard to pinpoint. I'm curious, maybe can, if you can put some kind of voice or text around it, if you will, like when you thought about like impacting the world in a different way, did, did you feel like you were like, why am I thinking like this? Like, this is a little, is this different than everyone around me, the kind of way they're going about their day? Did you think about that at all? Was that even something that crossed your mind or was this just full throttle kind of Charlie's Angels too? You're going after it. Like yeah. I'm going to impact the world. I'm going to make a change. And, and this is the right decision. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think, I think you do kind of feel, feel like something, there's something ticking inside of you for better or worse. And uh, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily talk about the negatives of it. Like my brain doesn't shut off at night. I weigh, you know, the 30 plus employees we have, I, th I, I weigh them all day, every day. Um, and it's like, it's a gift and a, and a curse. A lot of people talk about, you know, it's all so great because you, you make a lot of money, you drive cars, you do this, but like there's negatives to that too, that a lot of people don't, don't touch on. But to, to answer your question, I, I just remember like, I, and I don't know exactly what it is, but I just remember feeling blessed to be on this planet. And I just remember being like, and, you know, you grow up and you realize, what is it? It's like a one in billion or one in trillion shot that you're even born, like out of, you know, when your parents are having you and stuff. Like, I just remember feeling like so overwhelmingly taken back by the fact that I'm like able to see and hear and like had so much gratitude. And I was like, I've got to make the most of this shit. And whatever that meant, I, you know, I could be, I could be shoveling dirt right now. And I'm like, I'm going to make the most of that shit, whatever it is. And it's, uh, so I, that's always clicked with me where it's like that, that energy that I wake up with every single day. 
I don't drink coffee. I've never done a drug. I don't do like, I just have this pure energy. And I think it all comes from this gratitude of just, just being thankful to be there. And I, I think that's where it started. And then that's where I felt, I'd say that, that different feel and that drive was, I just have this fire and drive in me since like the age of 10 was just to like do something different and to, to help people and to get out there. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I remember it from a young age. You're right. It's not something that, that all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I tricked myself into doing it's, it's something that, that as I was younger, I, I, I knew I, I just had a different drive to do something on this planet. Um, do you, do you have any demons? Do you feel like, do you feel like you're not worthy enough sometimes? <clears throat> all the time dude. it's it's fucked up actually because you I, I think and i don't want to speak for everyone at least for me i want to hit a bar and then uh all of a sudden that you know you raise the bar and you raise the bar and you raise the bar and it's like the race never ends and uh and yeah you feel you you i definitely feel like i have i i you know uh, should i be, I, I feel like it's a uh, what's it called imposter syndrome sometimes you feel like you know like why is this happening right now what's happening to me am i really doing everything i could Am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Am I, you know, and, and, uh, so, so hell yeah, bro. There's, it's, uh, I have demons in what I'm doing and, and it, it's, it's so easy today, especially as, as social media or things like that for someone, a hater or someone to hate on you or someone to push back on you. And, and it's easy to be like, question yourself. Like, am I doing the right thing today? Am I, am I really like, am I really giving? Like I'm helping people I'm making a lot of money should I just be donating all of that? Should I be, you know what I mean? It's kind of this, like this inherent, like, am I practicing what I'm preaching? Am I doing what's best for the, t so yeah, hell yeah. I have, I have demons that, that feels that kind of imposter syndrome sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, well, yeah, cause you know, what's interesting is like, you have that, that double-edged sword of, Hey, I want to be successful. I want to do that. I want to help people. But in the same time, you're trying to provide a living for you, family, et cetera. Right. right. So you're making money. So then it comes off of like, okay, is, is it too self-serving? You know, I think some people have right. that, those, again, the, the folks that aren't in the, the arena, if you will, it's kind of those naysayers of like, Oh, what are you, you know, what are you doing? Oh, you're, you know, you're a little bit outside the, the norm. That's not a bad sure. thing, but sometimes it makes it, as you're saying, sometimes it makes it almost sound like it's a bad thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've always had a problem or at least, I've been trying to get over that a lot of like when you put yourself out there a little bit more and that, that vulnerability that a lot of people are, you know, you're starting to see a little bit more of that in comes the, unfortunately, some of the negative comments as well. So I'm curious how Absolutely. you dealt with that or if that's been a big part of, or do you block it out completely? Yeah, I, I think it's a, <clears throat> I think first it's recognizing like, like at the end of the day, like what, what's your, why, why am I doing that? Like, why, why are you putting yourself out there? Why are you doing this podcast? Why am I, uh, you know, focus on my business. And when, when I know those intentions are pure, the, the rest uh, generally becomes noise. So uh, the, the more I can uh, empathize on their point of view and, and, and understand it, not necessarily agree with it, um, helps me see a lot of times like, oh, shit, maybe Jeff was having a bad day when he made that comment about me. Maybe he's insecure about what he's doing today. <clears throat> maybe he's not following his passion fully. It's like, well, how can I help Jeff more? And I think that like that empathy of... <clears throat> That, that flip side or that negative side or, or those demons um, uh, ideally fuels you to do even more of what you're doing today. So um, yeah, that, that's really how I've dealt with it. I've understood that the, uh, I've tried to take a empathetic side and that's not us feel sorry for like, oh, poor Jeff over there, what a piece of shit. It's like ge genuinely what's going on in his life or her life to, that is, are making those comments or that are feeling those ways or even for myself, like if I'm feeling kind of like, am I doing enough? Like, why are you feeling that? Are you, do you feel like you didn't work hard enough today? Is there, should, should you go volunteer somewhere? Where can, where could you, if you were to give away your money, where, where today, even at a small, small, small level, could it make the biggest impact? And I think those are all really healthy thoughts to have versus the, I suck. I'm bad. I'm terrible. Things suck. I'm not doing enough. Uh, that kind of retract you versus like kind of push you even further forward. So when you, with your business that you're doing, did you start that like right after college or did you do anything in between that? I guess any, any like real, real job. Yeah. Yeah. I had, uh, yeah. So I went, um, I, I went from working, like, I think I had like seven jobs at once. I was like personally training, running social media for some lady. I was like learning digital marketing. I was a Coca-Cola rep on campus. Like I just had like fucking, I was just, I had this idea that if I could cross off what I didn't want to do, that was just as much of a win as, and I talk about this a lot of my podcast, just as much of a win as circling. Like, I think a lot of people get kind of like, you know, analysis by paralysis. They're like, what should I do? And they're like, I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. And like, for me, it was like, well, let me, tr let me go be a, a dumpster boy. And it's like, if I love some aspects of it, great. If I hate some aspects of it, that's even better. Cause now I know, okay, I don't like driving a car for work. I don't like driving this or whatever it was. So I just started Xing shit down and, and uh, um, you know, that led me to sales and I, you know, went to door to door and was selling uh, um, solar hot water systems and then eventually B2B selling internet marketing services. And, uh, and, and then from there, actually uh, learning the internet, learning stuff, opening up my own agency and then move, consulting and then moving to, to what we do today. But um, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, short answer, not really. Like I remember I had like 26 jobs between like fucking 18 and like 21, I want to say. I was just like, I would work somewhere for like three weeks or a month and I'd be like, it's not because I, I didn't, it's because I was literally trying to cross shit out. I was like, I, I don't like this. I don't like this. I, like very fail fast, like very rapidly. Like what don't I like and certain circling, you know, or starting Xing those out. And then eventually you run out of shit to X out and you're like, Oh, I guess I have to do this, you know? And uh, I guess the last point of that too, cause, cause a lot of this is like, you know, your, your, your theme is like, you know, jumpstarting or get off the ground was like, uh, you, you know, when you're, when you're hitting those X's and, and, and circling the winds, you know, um, where can you find kind of, kind of attraction early on? And, uh, and can you focus on not necessarily the, the vehicle that's getting you there? Like I always joke, I hate being in front of a computer, but I love being able to, to help people. So it's like, for me, I, 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 I swallowed the, I took the negatives with it, but realized like for me sitting in front of a computer 10 hours a day was my vehicle to get to what I actually love. So a lot of times like that will stop people. Like they will say, I don't like being in front of a computer. So I'm not going to do that. I like, I don't like being outside. I don't like running. I don't like talking to people. I don't like, like, I get that. I didn't like being in front of a computer. I now love it because I'm so focused on the, like realizing that, okay, that's just the vehicle, but it's getting me to my destination of where I actually want to go. So anyway, that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point with the vehicle um, kind of being there and, and there's, and there's other things, right? I mean, you do other things besides just sitting in front of the computer that are also helping you, but that's maybe sure. your biggest one right now that could change as well uh, with your 100%. business and the stuff you're doing. And it, and it has to your point. It's like early on, like I hated that. Now I'll spend literally 12 hours in front of a computer and I love every second of it because I'm like, oh, I get to talk to you via the computer. Oh, and I'm just picking up like things I like. But yeah, I just, I just remember early on for me, and I know for a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs or people in general getting off the ground, the vehicle is what stops them. And, uh, and that's scary because the vehicle you'll eventually, I, I think, or at least I did, come to love because it gets you to, it gets you to Disneyland every day. It takes you to Disneyland. So just because you don't like driving a minivan uh, it, it gets you to Disneyland and you start loving the minivan and you're like, oh, this thing kind of, kind of does good on gas. So like, Oh, I can kind of shove a bunch of stuff back here. This is cool. You know? And, uh, uh, I think I just think it's so important for people to not get stopped by the vehicle because you'll eventually start loving it or you'll start, uh, you know, making iterations around it. I have to ask just cause I'm, I'm in sales and you know, I think there's only, there's a, a certain group of folks that or do well at sales in terms of what I call the yeah. new modern day sales. And they're still, they're still stuck back maybe in the, the yeah. old way of selling. How the heck did uh, the door to door sales work for you? How did you like that? Dude, it's uh, it's a, it, you grow up really fast. You have, I, I mean, it, it's literally, it's funny now cause it's everything I apply on the internet. You have like two, three seconds to grab someone's like trust and attention. You're like, how the hell do you do that when you're a nuisance? Like you're, you're an ad, you're, you're an ad, you're getting in front of them when they want to watch a YouTube channel. And, and how do you, how do you grab their attention and then convince them over um, to, to actually listen to what the shit you have to talk about? So uh, a lot of it, like I, I apply, it's, a, it's actually more of a social media customer service book. It's by Jay Bear. It's called uh, um, uh, Utility, Y-O-U, Utility. Uh, but it really talks about helping versus selling. So uh, I try to apply that every time, that helping. So like whether it was like, uh, you know, understanding, like I would go to the first neighbor and just be like, Hey, I'm just taking a school survey. Like how much do you pay on average <clears throat> your, uh, your utility bills? And they'd be like, Oh, you know, 200 bucks a month or whatever. Okay. Then I go next door and I'd be like, Hey man, are you paying around 200 bucks a month for your utility bills? Like, yeah. Like, you know, I, uh, I, I think, you know, there's, there's some things happening in the neighborhood that can help lower that a lot. Like, can I talk to you about that? Like where it's, it's like that understanding of the situation they're in. Like, how can I help this person versus, Hi, we're BBB accredited. I just wanted to let you know that, uh, you know, we have great payment plans. And a lot of people lead with that, like kind of like sell, sell, sell jam, like billboard still approach that like people learn from, you know, back in the day versus this idea. Like today, like people do not like being sold to. Like I remember for the longest time, like I was going to get a new car and I just didn't want to go because I didn't want to get fucking sold to. And I remember I was like, I want to buy a Tesla. 
because I don't have to get sold to. There's no negotiation. Like literally I just bought years ago. I just bought one cause I didn't have to negotiate. I didn't have to get sold to. And it was like, it was a helpful experience. Like, Oh, well here's this thing, but you don't have to, if you don't want. And that, and I'm learning like me as a consumer. And I think a lot of consumers learn that the, the, the more that someone takes that helpful approach versus that, you know, you feel like you're being sold. Uh, they're that much more influential to the actual decision you're making. Yeah. And you mentioned the word you mentioned earlier, I think is applicable here is empathy, yeah. right? Is you understand their situation. You understand where they're it. coming from and, and take that approach to helping them versus as you're saying, yeah, just hey, we're the number one, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no one cares really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so well, to, to your empathy point, you know, the, the world just beats you down when you watch the fucking news or, you know, there's so much negativity that even just like, it's funny. I found like, I would, I would knock on like, like people would knock on 300 doors. I would knock on like 10 because like I would come in, I'd eat dinner with them. I'd hang out with them. Like I'd understand their family. Like a lot of times people are just looking for that, like that friend or understanding of the situation you're in, you know? And it's like, it's like a lot of times if someone's like, you know, someone's looking for advice with your, you know, with your relationship or something like that, the guy who comes out and goes, well, you need to do this, Brian, you need to fix this. You need this. You don't listen to it. You don't have any, but when I sit there and I'm like, dude, yeah, that must really fucking suck to be there. Like, shit. Oh man. I hear you, man. Like, Oh, you know, and like all of a sudden you're like, this guy feels me and gets me now all of a sudden when I, when I inject my opinion or I inject my experience share into it, you're a lot more open to it. And you're going to take it a lot more. You're going to, you know, you're going to digest it a lot more. So yeah, you're absolutely right. That, that empathy, people are just yearning for in general and to leverage that as a sales vehicle that ideally you're doing it. It's a, it's a great power, right? You can use it to, for good or bad. Ideally you're, you're leveraging it for, um, you know, products and services and, and, and businesses that actually help people. Um, because it, it is powerful when you bring that empathy to people and you bring that understanding and that helpfulness, uh, you can influence a lot of the world uh, to do what you want. And again, it's, it's really in your power. Is that for good or for bad? And, you know, I hope, I hope people choose good for that. Well, I want to get into talk about your business a little bit. One thing I did want and, and fact check me on this, but I was listening to a keynote you did and you're talking about when you were younger, kind of helping grow a company. It was rat this rapid growth for, I think it was 18 months or something, but it just was yeah. like a complete disaster, if you will, because obviously okay. sometimes rapid growth doesn't equal success. I, I'm curious, because I think a lot of folks, especially maybe listening to this, that are in, involved with companies like that, or maybe you're thinking of start one, the, sure. the pros and cons, I guess, from that experience, because I think that could be really helpful to, uh, to get oh, your kind of first-hand yeah. experience. Yeah, so you're, you're asking pros and cons to a rapidly growing company. Exactly. Um, or, or why you would or wouldn't do that. Where are things to look out for, right? Sure. Yeah. Great question. So, uh, so I'm just going to go in no, no order here. Um, just, just off the cusp, you wear a lot of hats and there's good and bad on that. There's good because you're, you're the accountant and also the HR guy and also the marketing director and also this. So you really get a breadth of experience. Uh, the challenge with that is the depth isn't necessarily there. So what's, what's, next for you or, or where you end up going, um, it, you, you know, you're kind of at a disadvantage as the company gets more ideally solidified and you start, they start hiring a CFO and then a CMO and then this, and, and it's like the, the scare is that you get left in the dust because you've got a breath, but you don't have depth in, in one area. Um, the, the positive to that again, too, is, is the breath allows you to kind of like look up on, on the perching ledge and say like, that's what I want to do and, and be able to dive into it. Um, some of the other positives and negatives are, I think a lot of times in a lot of companies, you see the, uh, the, 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 the team kind of weed themselves out a lot of times, especially with that faster growth and movement is a lot of times, um, it's, it, people aren't built for that. Most people and rightfully or wrongfully. So you start, it's very easy to ignore your, um, uh, other parts of life. Like, the, like I know we're on a business podcast, but there's, there, there's so many other things in your life, whether it's rest, working out enjoyment fucking video whatever video whatever it is you enjoy um that that bring to this life like business is you're not just defined by your business and especially in a rapidly growth growing company it's very easy for the beast to consume you and i think being being aware of that is super important because there'd be days where i'd find myself like i'd be grumpy i'm never grumpy i'm in such a good mood all the time and i was like oh dude you haven't fucking slept in like three four days you're sleeping like three hours a night and it's like Oh, I got it. I need to focus on that. Or I haven't been working out as much or I haven't been, or a relationship starts, starts going away side, whether it's a brother, friend, girlfriend, whatever it is. And it's like, as I've, I've, you know, gotten the reps in with that stuff, I've gotten a little bit more mindful, but it's, it's very important. I think, especially in a rapidly growing company, 
to, to, to make sure you're, you're not allowing the beast to consume you, which I think is very easy for a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people in those types of organizations, even if you're not, you know, the, the guy running the show, it's very easy for the beast to consume you. And, uh, uh, knowing that just because it's moving fast doesn't need mean you need to go 100 miles an hour into a brick wall. It's okay to go 60 miles an hour in the right direction. Did you all have a, uh, in that particular business, like a vision of where you wanted to go or was that muddled as well? No, it's like, it's, fu- it's funny too. And again, this isn't everybody, but for my story and our story, like we, we're like consistently like repeat, like I, I, people like laugh at me because I'll come in like a Monday morning meeting and I'll be like, guys, this week we're going to fucking do, bl- we're turning everything blue. And then by like, Wednesday I'm like it's gonna be green you know and it's like I think I think yes and no I think the vision or the the you know like like for us today like it's it's how do we you know how can we help more people how can we help people better so that's still there and then the rest are all kind of the trinkets around it like there it was it was it was you know maybe not as much like uh, uh, philanthropic focused it was more like you know how do we how do we acquire more users quickly online to the reoccurring subscription? So like the goal was still there for sure. And then now it was like, okay, the trinkets around that. How do we do that? But uh, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's like, I think it's almost BS to say that things don't iterate quickly. Like even the vision of the company, like even if it's like one day it's helping, you know, the distressed guy, the next day it might be helping, you know, so, someone learn on the front end before they're distressed. So I'm not just an ambulance chaser trying to like fix people's financial problems. I'm educating them on the front end. So um, I, I think if you're, if really, if it's the same vision over year, three, five years, like I, I think the guts are normally there, or at least for me, like the 80%, the 80, 20 rule plays in, but there's this 20% like kind of slider that, that is, is, is like natural fluidity that I think is, is healthy in a business. Well, so let's chat a little about what you're doing today, obviously with, with your business. I, I want to first talk about kind of the lack of a better phrase, tactical approach. But then I also want to get into some kind of employee engagement and, and culture and those type of things. Yeah, yeah. So you're, and tell me, because I might miss the boat on a lot of this, but a lot of the stuff you're doing is around uh, uh, traffic, bringing traffic to websites, those type of yeah. things, right? I mean, that's kind of the all encompassing for what you're trying you to do it. for a lot of yeah. these sites you have. Mm-hmm. So Nailed it. first help me out with why, why that? Why was that the the mission or what you wanted to go toward? Did you see a gap in the market there? Did you see, I mean, what was, what yeah. was the reason? Because that, obviously it seems like that's been a substantial win, right? With what For you're sure. doing. So why was that the choice you made back, you know, a few years ago, if you will? Yeah, good question. I, th- I think, I think um, first I, it, it's important to understand where it started from. So I, I genuinely wanted to help people lose weight. I thought I was going to be a personal trainer at one point. Like I wanted to, to, like I said, help people wanted to help them lose weight. Then I said, okay, how can I help them be happier? And like, there's all these things. And, and for me, my truth was, I realized a lot of it rolls up to your finances. So if a lot of it rolls up to like, you don't have the money to eat well, you don't have the, 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 the time because you're working two jobs to pay off your, your, your high medical bills or whatever it is. So you don't have time to spend time with family and, and create real relationships and, and things like that. So once I, I kind of realized, like I started peeling back the onion, I said, oh, I want to focus on someone, you know, Americans finances really and, and help them. Um, and then I learned how much money there is to be made in perpetuating poverty, meaning in uh, giving out loans, lending money, uh, giving, uh, giving credit cards to people uh, at 18 when they're at Coachella to give them to, you know, give them free wristband to get into a party, you know, open up an Amex card and and, uh, and that bothered me that, that really, and then I, I realized, you know, my family looking back, my dad, <clears throat> you know, we didn't grow up poor by any means. We were middle-class, but we lived paycheck to paycheck because he would spend it like this. He took out payday loans and all. And I just started realizing like the, the divorce, the suicide, the depression, the anxiety that this space causes. And, and it became very clear for me, like, this is what I want to focus on. So it's, it started very much that. And then tactically looking at a growing market. Uh, which uh, credit card debt's never declined in the United States since they've been the piece of plastic's been introduced. Um, it's a recession-proof business. It's taboo. I like being in a taboo market that other people don't like to to play in or be in because um, I'm I'm taking on a trillion-dollar banks. Really, at the end of the day, is 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 who we are. We're fighting the trillion-dollar banks that that I, I think are are you know you know last year alone charged 104 billion dollars in interest fees to Americans. So all these all these stats and things I'm dropping like play into that same like kind of passion around it. Um, uh, so, so, so yeah, that, that's, that's really how we landed on the space. And, 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 uh, you know, that's why we play there today and realized the gap was that people aren't focused on those, 
that are in trouble today. There's, there's not really a, a namesake in the space of uh, the ambulance chasers. So you're, you're struggling with a lot of things. You know, who's, who's helping you fix that? Uh, mostly because there's not enough money to be made there. So we, we've, it's forced us to elevate ourselves to become a volume shop. We have to drive thousands of customers a day in order for us to be at the scale and the size that we are today versus you know, if we were lending, we might only need to drive a couple hundred per day to be doing the same, same, same type of stuff that we're doing today. But uh, we, we don't feel like our footprint is, is being made by perpetuating that poverty for people by getting them more and more in debt. And, and you're driving, you're trying to drive business to different websites, right? Is that the, the gist? We're driving it to our internal. We're, we're actually uh, attracting, educating, and acquiring the customer. And then we're making a warm introduction to uh, companies that are actually helping doing the servicing. So they've got the support end of the actual service, which allows us, again, to focus on what we're great at, which is, which is driving, driving um, Americans and consumers and connecting them with the exact product that's going to help them today without, without having to spend decades of building out that infrastructure underneath the, the, the tactic or the strategic relationships and partnerships that we built underneath the iceberg allow us to, to run at a very high level very quickly up here and focus on what we love to do and what we're good at. All right. So I know enough to be dangerous about SEO and stuff. And I know probably a lot of folks out there besides knowing what SEO means, right? That's probably the end of it. Can you give a little insight? So first, like, Tell me a little bit about, you know, just kind of from, and let's talk about from a organic kind of standpoint, Sure. what are some things folks should be thinking about it, whether they have a blog, maybe it's, they're trying to sell a book, anything like that. What are some things they should be thinking about from a SEO standpoint? Great question. It's uh, where, where your customer is hanging out. Not <clears throat> a lot of people look at, they love Google for it, the intent search, right? So if I'm selling coffee cups, I'm getting in front of, uh, I want to show up for the term coffee cup, right? I think that's where a lot of people's thought process ends with organic. For us, we look at it as like a demographic playground, which sounds so ass backwards to why people think of SEO and Google. So we say someone drinking coffee, where else are they hanging out that is less um, saturated than for the coffee cup search? And, you know, we might land on that somebody looking up, uh, um, you know, uh, th this is probably a competitive term too, but like stained teeth or they're looking up more, you know, how do I get more energy out of my day? Or, uh, how do I, you know, how to wake up, uh, faster or earlier things like that. And those are the types of content that we create. It's like, like how to have more energy in the morning type. And then it's like, oh yeah, we also sell coffee cups, like through that education of how you can have more energy in the morning. And that's how we're attracting at a high rate. Cause these are very, these are much lower intent searches that all the coffee, all my competitors, if I'm selling coffee cups, this example, are not focused on this search. They're focused on how the hell do we move from five to three to one on the term coffee cup where I'm focused on how can I be number one on the term, how to get more energy throughout the day that really there's not like big corporations competing with because they're like, who the fuck cares about that? I do because my, cus my customer is searching this. So that, that kind of a more top of funnel approach where we, we play up here uh, is, is, uh, is where we find a massive blue ocean in organic. So apply that if you're a speaker, an author, or whatever that is. It's like, what other searches is your demographic looking for that you can educate them on? Like, I remember one of my favorite, just to go down one more rabbit hole, one of my favorite uh, um, use cases is a real estate agent who was like, how do I get more business? And I remember telling her, I was like, that, well, there's all these, these mommy uh, like forums, like how to be a good mother and things like that. Um, you're a mom. Why don't you educate them on how to be a good mom? And then there's this, oh yeah, you're a real estate agent. Cause the reality is when you have a kid, what do you do? You normally, you know, uh, get a bigger home, you get bigger homes as you, as the family grows, things like that. So she became the number one, like uh, contributor to these mommy, mommy blogs and forums, things like that. And her business fucking took off because she gained all this trust on how to be a mother. And then it was this, oh yeah, I'm also a real estate agent. So who do you think they went to when they needed help with real estate? They were like, oh, let me go, let me go to Cheryl, who's able to help over here. So that same kind of approach and organic content that you're creating and getting in front of, I think, I think it really creates blue oceans that most companies don't focus on today. And is a lot of that just how your, um, it, one is the volume of content, especially that you're putting out or putting on your website or maybe other sites. Um, and then two, is it how, because it's obviously all the backbone of like, you know, uh, title tags and those type of things. Sure. What, what are some things you can share there from a web standpoint? Because my assumption is, again, most folks, because I know I'm like this or was like this more, is you're not putting out enough content. 
and sure. you're not you're not putting the right um, search engine optimization information yeah. in. Like I use, I think Yoast SEO on my website, you know, mm -hmm. basic stuff. So like, how would you educate folks to say, hey, here's some things you should look at to help make your site rank better or to maybe get in a different avenue like you're talking about? Sure. So I think first, I think people get, I think kind of scared with like, I have to full-time be creating content in order to rank. And it's like that and or they've created a few pieces and there isn't much traction. And they're like, what am I doing here? Um, what I would argue is let's go back to that, how to get more energy in the morning type of search. That's the guy who's going to buy my coffee cup or girl who's going to buy my coffee cup. How do I make that article just be the fucking best article on the planet on how you actually get more energy in the morning? And how do I actually like, you know, it could be 2000 plus words on that, on that one page, on that one topic. How do I make this great? Do I give different examples, things like this around how to get more energy in the morning? And then, um, uh, you know, that's what I'm creating. And then I'm going from there. I'm uh, getting it distributed in hands of, it's, it's modern day PR is really what people, when they hear the term backlinking, is, is how do I get that article in the hands of communities to, um, that can ample, that, that uh, I, this, this article uh, uh, adds value to. So point being is like, okay, so how do I now go to like a, uh, um, a corporate blogger? So Jeff's, you know, Jeff's business blogger, you know, get, get out of the nine to five blog or what, you know, what, whatever it is and be like, Hey, I think your community could really like love to learn how they can, uh, you know, get more energy in the morning. Like, I don't know if you'd be open to sharing it. And I think you find a lot of times when the natural fits there, people share it. So our goal when we're creating article is actually not to get rank it organically, although that's a byproduct. <clears throat> it's actually how much referral traffic can we get out of that? So meaning if I can get this in the hands of, of you per se, and I say, Hey, you know, I've created this article on how to get more energy and I own a coffee cup company. Uh, you want to share it with your community. The goal is for you to talk about that on your social media somewhere, to put it out to your email list, to put it on your website or reference it somewhere on your website, things like that. And, and, uh, and, uh, and really start sending people from your community over to this article that because it benefits both of us. It helps your community because they learn how to get more energy and it helps me because ideally you're going to learn about how to get more energy, but you're going to come buy a coffee cup for me. So focusing on how do you create those, you know, where, how do you strategically like get those backlinks when people hear the word backlinks? I'm not thinking like who's got the best domain juice or the best, you know, uh, authority on there. I'm like, who has my, 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 who's got the most natural fit for an article that I can get this, get what I just created in front of them. So focusing on like, how do I get that referral traffic over all of a sudden, it's just all positive signals to Google that it's like, oh, this, this thing should start ranking for how to get more energy. And then it's a byproduct of those other, those other uh, uh, steps you're taking. All of a sudden, it ranks number one for how to get more energy. How, how did you all do that? Maybe you're doing that today, right? How do you reach out to a ton of folks? Is, I'm sure the question that might be coming up right now is, you know, Brian, Anthony, I have no idea who to reach out to that may be interested in put, sharing this article besides friends and family. Yeah, hundred percent. So I think it's, um, uh, you know, where, where some good ways to start reaching out are, um, uh, searching around, um, your, uh, long tail keywords. So for instance, like, I'm just going to keep rolling with the coffee cup example, like, uh, coffee cups for busy moms. And then all of a sudden I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pulling up anything that's not an actual company that sells coffee cups. I'm just going to pull up those, those websites. And then from there, it's really, it's a, it's a contact form or they've got their email or they've got their social media. Like people always, it's funny, like we use a lot of celebrities in a lot of our, a lot of our marketing and uh, people are always like, how the hell do you get them? I'm like, I Google so-and-so's manager. And literally the words like, like uh, Steve Harvey's manager, I'll Google and like his contact info is there and you reach out to him. Like it's not right. Like people are like, oh man, I don't know how you guys land this. It's the same thing. It's like you open up the tabs, you put, you pull up the contact form and you, you really say, Hey, Jennifer, I think your blog is great. I just created this article. We'd love to see how we can strategically work together to get in front of your community. And like, that's it. You follow up. Maybe you maybe make a call. You maybe hit them on Instagram as well about it or Facebook. And like, it's not rocket science. And I think we like to create complexity for ourselves a lot. It's like, Oh, I don't even know how to do that or where to even start. It's like, well, it's, it's pretty simple. Just, you know, who, whoever's talking about energy, you know, maybe just go to their site and just share the energy article you just created, you know? And again, I'm, I'm going down a super silly example that is probably not applicable to people, but hopefully you're understanding like kind of the, the, the mechanics of, of where I'm going or why I'm using that example and how you can apply that to if you're an author or if you're a, a personal trainer or whatever that is. The, the idea really is to find, um, you know, where your demographics hanging out, 
create content around around something that's that seemingly is unrelated but is related to to what uh, what you're selling or what you want to do, and it's to find like like-minded blogs of people that that um, you know have a community already and just really ask them say how can we work together and then it's a rolling conversation it really is a rolling conversation maybe it's doing a mutual podcast with each other and you're sharing it to each other's community maybe it's it's paying them to 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 send an email maybe it's just that good of content that they want to send it to their email list because they're they're running out of content to send and your article's badass you know so well i think that's a big point because nowadays it's like well i just put out the article it should get to millions of people why is it not yeah. you know i think there is some hard work that has to be done yes. to actually get it out um, and that's yep. just how followings are built if you will you know it, it absolutely is well it's funny it's like it's it's like the uh you know, you know mj or or you know lebron him in the game winning shot you're like oh he's just naturally talented it's like you don't see him like in the gym three hours before the game you know putting up putting up shots and it's uh it's very similar here too it's like Oh, that's thank just that site just ranks everywhere. Like they just get traffic. Like, no, they've got like 500 employees, or they're like, you know, they're really busting it. They're out here reaching out to here, here. Like, shit, I get emails from some of my competitors. Like, hey, can we can we share articles? And I'm like, dude, I'm your competitor. I'm not gonna share your article. But I'm like, that much movement is happening. And and really, in my opinion, it's it's modern day PR is what it is. And it's not it's not you know as as great anymore to be in a and it can be, but you know, you're in a magazine or you know how, you know how can I get you know my newspaper ad? It's like what's the version of that online and it's you know it's finding where your demo is and saying hey can i get you know you know grassroots reaching out saying how do we work together how do i get in front of your community now that's really great one last thing i want to ask around this i want to get into some culture stuff web metrics yeah can you give a kind of a your insight on what folks should be looking to do so they have google analytics they're you know they're they're, they're looking at their site yeah. and whatever is there anything you'd share that they should be looking at from a web metric standpoint that might tip them off of some things they should be doing or ways to navigate for sure so there's a couple uh one is and it's not directly in analytics there's a there's a ton of tools and they're like so cheap like 20 dollars a month like a lucky orange or a hot jar or something like that what it does is it's a screen recording software that and it makes heat maps on where people are engaging with your site so that that probably for me has the most insight because i'm seeing where where people are trying to click on a button and it's not working or i'm seeing that like oh shit most people are clicking on you know this faq versus these maybe i should update these that that type of stuff is it gives it's the it's it's so incredibly beneficial that's one and then for metrics for talking specifically organically again i focus on referral traffic so it means i'm getting the article in the right hands of people um, and then it automatically just start, not automatically, but it starts ranking over time. But my focus isn't how do I get to be number one in Google. My focus is how do I get this great piece of content in other hands, and then Google's eventually catches up and is like, oh, we should put that in the hands of anyone searching for it. Uh, so referral traffic's big. Uh, that that screen recording though know, is probably the most simplest thing for people to focus focus on. Super cheap. Anyone get you just drop a little code on your site and it just records what what uh, what people's mouse where they're going or their thumb if it's on mobile things like that. <coughs> Oh, that's pretty fascinating. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let, let, let me kind of skate to the other side of, of from a business standpoint. And let's talk about internally. Uh, sure. Did you start this by yourself or did you have a few folks that you started this with? So I have a, a business partner that I started this business with. I started another business before this um, uh, by myself as well, too. Um, okay. and, and then, uh, yeah, from there, we, we uh, actually hired a lot of friends and family, believe it or not. And I know that's a big no-no in business. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's had its challenges, especially as we're scaling, but it, especially early on, I think it was crucial because uh, they, and I'm not saying everybody needs to go this route, but finding people who, who are loyal and believe in your, your, your vision is very important. Like I, I talk about, like I talk to my buddy as a, a, a lawn um, uh, landscaping company. And I was like, dude, he's like, I can't retain people. I can't get this. I go, cause yeah. Cause because they think they're mowing, they're cutting grass. Nobody's fucking excited by cutting grass. I go, what if the conversation was we give dads back their Saturday? I was like, what if that's the conversation? What if that's your mission? And when they walk in the office every day, it's got a, a rolling hour for how many, how many dads got their Saturday in hour back to spend time with their kids. Now, all of a sudden, when you're recruiting people and you're retaining people, you're like, we, we, we like give people back their Saturdays and we, we help dads have, and, or families, I don't just want to focus on dads, uh, you know, parents have relationships with their kids and things like that. So think about that, how exciting that is to come to work every day, not just cutting grass. So um, having that internal conversation around that vision is, is even more important to, than I would even argue your external customers because it, it starts internally there because you need people to get as jazzed up and excited around what you're doing so that on Saturday night, they're like actually thinking like, 
well, how can we, you know, do this a little bit better? They're, they're, and I'm not doing it to get free hours out of them or off the clock, but like I've got their mental mind share all day long because it's, it's what's, it's what's, it's passionate for them. That's what's driving them. So uh, for me, it was, it was a yeah, business partner. And then it was, it was a lot of friends and family, but even now in other businesses, it's, it's, it's hiring those people that align with that vision and passion not even necessarily they have the, I think you can always learn the mechanics and anything you do. I can learn, I could be an accountant tomorrow. I can learn how to be an accountant. I'm sure. But um, you know, do, do I have a passion around the business is, is really the first question I ask when I'm hiring anybody. And so you scaled, obviously you mentioned earlier about 30 employees right now. Yeah. Are those all, locally in an office are those scattered around the country remote we're all remote all remote so we don't have an office uh, we had one nobody fucking used it uh so we're all we're all uh, we're all remote we um uh most of us are in arizona i'd say probably at least half the team and then the other half are all remote and it's uh it's really forced us in a good way to uh uh, uh forcefully focus on that culture because it's not like we can't fall, you know, the fallacy of like, we see each other every day. Like if you and I showed up in the same building every day, it's like, a lot of that stuff will happen naturally, like, because we're just seeing each other every day. But what if we didn't, what if we were only just like another, like person on the other end of a Slack channel, like, or on the other end of like, you know, an email string, like how, how do you and I foster a relationship to try and grow better, uh, grow closer together personally and business wise. And I think that it, uh, we, we've, we've been forced because we don't have, we're not, we're all working virtually to uh, um, take, take, take uh, strategic action for that, whether that's flying everybody out to be in a centralized place once a year, whether that's um, having, you know, huddles every Monday, whether that's having, you know, teams uh, meet with each other and talk specifically, whether that's setting aside specific time for you and I to collaboratively work on something that, that isn't in the, you know, keep up with the day to day is to focus on what's next. Like those types of things have been, been really uh, crucial and, and necessary. Otherwise it would have fallen apart at five. It would have fallen apart at 10, 15, 20. How big, well, I, I kind of almost assume what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask anyways, because I think a lot of businesses that are trying to go remote and yeah. they're, the trust is a big thing. It's almost like, yeah. if I don't see you, I don't know if you're working. Yeah. How big is trust uh, involved in your business? And then kind of on a, 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 you know, a one B to that, if you will, or a second part with it is accountability. So sure. how, you know, folks obviously have to produce. So how, how is the accountability measured or <coughs> I guess utilized? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I'd say, uh, first account, um, trust is everything. If I can't, if I can't, I, I will literally like in a general Slack channel, like send my credit card information. Like if I have to fear that someone on my team is going to steal my identity or, or ring my shit up for Amazon products, like I'm doing, I've hired the wrong person, uh, or wrong people. And again, saying that at 30, I'm not, I, I don't know if I, if or when I ever have 500 employees, maybe this, this mantra will change, but at least I can speak for, you know, an eight figure business that has 30 employees. Um, that what's true for me is uh, I've hired the wrong person. If I, if I have to question that, um, and, uh, you know, there are, there are things that, that help with that accountability and it's, and it's crucial because I think us as humans, you know, we're, we're even myself, like I look at myself as like, you know, I, I, I try and cut corners where I can, like throughout my life. And like, it's like, so what systems can I put in place to try and nullify that? And I think some of them are, you know, there's screen recording softwares. There's something like a time doctor or a hub staff they're called where it'll track like your, your mouse movement. Like, is he actually working? It'll take random screenshots, things like that. I'm not doing that to be micromanaging. I'm doing it for, you know, the accountability that you mentioned as well too. Um, uh, goals or metrics, depending on where, what the person, you know, what, what, uh, what department they're in. So do they, are they the full-time Snapchat guy? You know, are you, are you hitting the, the ROI numbers that we're looking for? Are you hitting the spend levels? And it's, and it's like, we're reviewing those every single week. So I've got, you know, the teams clustered and we're meeting for an hour a week and we're reviewing those metrics and we're looking at those very heavily. So it's not a, a willy nilly like, all right guys, hands in, let's go play. You know, and we are playing, but we're playing with, with rules in mind. We know if we step out of bounds, it's the other team's ball. We know if we score, you know, within the arc, it's two points. Outside, it's three points. So it's it's setting up these 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 the structure and organizational hierarchy where there's people, you know, looking over two people underneath them, or this guy's looking under three people underneath them. I'm not I'm not responsible for thirty. Like I maybe only talk to like maybe seven people, five to seven people on a on a day to day basis on the team, and then the other ones maybe once a month. Some people bi monthly, and a lot of it's because you know this guy that I talk to is talking to these people below it, and. Uh, you know, he's responsible for them and he knows that as well too. So he's reporting back on their metrics as well. So, um, uh, sh short answer, it's, it's, uh, uh, if you can't trust the person you're, you're hiring, it's, it's the wrong person for sure. Um, I, I feel like I'm like best friends with pretty much everyone on my team. Even if I talk to them bi-monthly, like 
I genuinely know them. I genuinely care about their family, what they're doing, what their passions are, what they're excited by. I invest in them that are even outside of the business. So I'll be like, Hey, I know you wanted to become a comedian. Like I, I, I bought you like a, uh, you know, comedy, comedy, uh, um, uh, comedy lessons. And it's like, does that actually have a dollar return to me? Not trackably, but it does because I, what's the cost or what's the value to this person's like trust, passion and love for what we do and me and our company and stuff. It's like, that's unquantifiable to spend on someone for that stuff. You mentioned earlier about playing a lot of different roles, right? Especially early on, probably when you, yeah. you and your partner started this thing, what, um, what do you delegate out right now? What are some of the things you delegate out where before you had to take the brunt of that work and now you can at least whether have someone else do it or pay for it out externally or whatever. So it started anything admin related. Um, and I think part of it's like, uh, what I like, what I like to do, uh, which was marketing. I love it. I love actually, um, you know, launching ads and, and being there. I, I haven't done that in the last few years because that, there's people doing that. But from day one, it was anything admin related. So first it was, it was like, I remember someone challenging me. They're like, get an assistant and then get addicted to paying them for the hours that they're working because those are hours you would be working. So I remember like, I was like, okay. So I, I had some, I didn't, I didn't have, I hired someone for 10 bucks an hour and they worked like five hours that week. And I was like, it's funny. It was like 50 bucks. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Here you know, I'm paying it. And I was like, wait, those are five hours that I could, I'm doing other shit. Or I'm like, and I was like, that's addicting. So all of a sudden now it was like, okay. So throughout those, those extra five hours, how can I make more money for the company? What else can I do? How can I do more of what I like? So it was admin at first. So it was assistant, which I challenge everyone to do. Even if you think it's like silly or you feel like, I remember I had that, like, again, imposter syndrome, like, why do I need an assistant? Like, it's just me, like assistant. Like what, what am I, I'm not the guy, I'm not, you know, whipping the thing and being like, Oh, you, you know, the, the, my assistant needs to go get me coffee. Like, I was like, you know, I was kind of like, you know, uh, like more humble. I was like, I don't need that. And, uh, and then I found out I did and they, they helped with a ton of little random tasks and things like that. And I realized that they liked it just cause I didn't like it. doesn't mean that they didn't like it. Same thing went next went to accounting, accounting or bookkeeping. I should say it was like, I remember apologizing. I was like, sorry, you got to run these reports. She's like, you keep apologizing. Like, this is what I love. And I was like, Oh, I don't like to do it, but you do. And I was like, Oh, cool. So it was accounting and then it's moved, it moved to, so started admin and then it moved to more, um, you know, actual, uh, in the weed stuff. So for us that, that, that translates to launching ads. So actually, uh, you know, launching Facebook ads, launching, uh, uh writing copy, uh, um, formulating creative, um, things like that. And then now where I sit is on the strategy level of that. So I'm like, Hey guys, why don't we, you know, I've been digging through, you know, competitors or other, other industries. Well, why don't we, this is what they're doing. What do you guys think we should do this? And they're actually the ones going to work and doing it um, and, and actually making it happen. And then we're just reviewing results and, and you know, wins and losses of it. But uh, to start off very early on, it's, it's anything that you don't like to do. And then anything admin related um, is, 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 I think is very important. Yeah, I like that that point there, especially with the getting addicted, I guess, to using the assistant. You know, one thing, um, I actually just did for the first time. And I was actually, it's so funny you mentioned that. It's like, I was nervous to do it, but cause I'm, you know, I'm writing this children's book that I'll launch in, in a month or so in the late spring here. And I'm like, I want to get on podcast episodes, start doing some promotion for it. And I actually got a virtual assistant for the first time. Yeah. Um, and I think it was like, I think there, I think I did like a max of 10 hours, but they were putting all these podcast, uh, potential interviews and start putting that together. I'm like, not that I wouldn't like doing that, but that's a lot of time that I have all these other things to worry about. Yeah. So it was worth the <laughs> 60, 70 bucks, you know? Yeah. So I, even folks that, you know, I guess from someone doing a lot of side hustles to mention to those folks listening is like, you could use a virtual assistant, you know, yeah. and you can actually go that route, even if you're not doing full time, you know, like you sure. are with your actual business, you know? Oh, for sure, dude. I, and I mean, I, I did, I remember when I was doing part-time stuff, you know, I had one of the first things I was selling was like, was like uh, web design services and I didn't know how to code anything, but like I would sell it. I was essentially a middleman. And then I had someone who was like, a, you know, a virtual person who was like doing the work and I come report. And I remember like, I was like, Oh shit, this is so tight. Like I, a side hustle. I, you know, you, I'm getting known as a website guy and then I'm, I'm taking it. I'm going here and then I'm, you know, here and I'm paying you less and I'm charging you more. And I'm like, that was super dang. Like I just did the math, like uh, 30 employees at eight hours a day. Like I work 240 hours a day. Like how can you, who else, you know, People are like, you have 24 hours. No, you don't. You know, you don't. You can have more than 24 hours in the day. I get 240 hours in the day plus from my team and everybody below me. And, and or I don't mean that in like an egotistical below me, but like working in the hierarchy structure of allowing us to roll up and allow me to do my job. It's like, there is a way to squeeze more than 24 hours out of the day. 
All right, I want to finish up on this is because uh, you've got a lot of energy, obviously, whereas we're talking today and, and you mentioned that early on. How important, we've talked about this a few times, you want to be a fitness professional, like how important sure. is health and wellness to your day-to-day approach? And what are some things that yeah. you do to, to, I guess, accelerate that? Yeah, it's for me, and again, it doesn't mean it's everyone's truth. For me, it's extremely important. I know for me, it's like, it, it's, it, it keeps me centered and grounded. And, it, and it's funny, it's like, I started, for those that don't like, like uh, don't look at their health as important. It's like, your number one asset is your body. Like, what is like, what is the point of being on this earth? It's, it's really like to outlast everybody. And like, you have to take care of your body to outlast and to live longer. And it's like, it's funny, we're focused on, you know, our investment or this or this, like, this is your number one asset, like point blank period. I don't think anyone can argue with that. This is your number one asset. And for you to not, if you want to look at yourself as a business or a machine or however you want to frame it in your head, like this is your number one asset and it's investing in yourself. So that means eating right. That means uh, um, getting enough sleep. That means having enough mental breaks from work. That means, uh, you, you know, uh, 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 being able to work out. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's intimidating for people to go from zero to 100. You know, I'm not saying you need to today start eating carrots and, you know, go pump three hours in the gym and then go meditate for four hours and then do yoga for two. And then, you know, uh, work will just naturally come. That's not what I'm saying. And uh, it's not realistic, but whatever is realistic for you today, maybe it's just go and take a walk and just leaving your phone by yourself. Maybe it's just 30 minutes before bed. You don't actually uh, uh, hang on to your phone or it's 30 minutes when you wake up, you don't actually go on it right away. Or, uh, you know, it's just maybe a one, one, one better decision throughout the day today. Maybe you get a salad versus the, you know, you know, the, the fried chicken or, you know, whatever that is for you, like that traction becomes addicting because you start over time noticing a difference. And I think that's the other thing is like getting back to the vehicle versus the, the, the reason behind it. It's like, it's very easy, I think, for people to, if I've been eating well for a month or I've been working out for a month and I haven't dropped a single pound, like what the fuck? Well, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you're doing it because you know it's right and you know, and the actions, you know, you're, you're, you know, are going to lead to the results. All of a sudden you're going to wake up one day and you are going to have more energy. You are going to be more mentally clear. You are going to feel better. Um, but, you know, looking for the, if you're doing it for the results focus, you're doing it for the wrong way. It's like, I joke, it's like if I made $10 an hour doing exactly what I do today, I swear on my mother's grave, I would still fucking be doing it. And it's, and because it has nothing to do with money. I'm not doing it for money. I'm not doing it so I can drive a nicer car. I'm literally doing it because I love what I'm doing today. So making yourself start loving what you're doing today. And whether that's, whether that's, you know, being, being a little delusional, ignoring the vehicle. Like I don't love being in front of the computer 12 hours a day, but I do love the impact I get to make and I get to help. And I, and it's that self-talk that keeps coming, coming at me that allows me to kind of, ignore the fact that I'm in front of a computer today or even more, even better, like tricking myself to enjoy being in front of the computer today. Cause I'm like, this is my baby. This allows me to get to where I'm going. You know what I mean? So those self-talk conversations, I know I kind of just rambled in a bunch of different directions here, but short answer it's for me, it's, it's everything for those listening. It's uh, you know, what's a win for you today? What's a small win that you can feel good about? Because I think those wins start to compile and build on each other. And I think that's everything. It's, it's uh you know, what is it? growth equals happiness, I think is a Tony Robbins quote that I love to live by. Growth equals happiness. So as long as you're growing, you don't need to be at the destination, destination or finish line because you'll find once you're there, you're going to move the finish line anyway. So just focus on how do I grow a little bit more today, I think is, is, is really what, what's going to lead to the long-term, you know, uh, um, sustainable happiness. Man, you, you and I are clicking on the same wavelength. I was just going to mention that same Tony Robbins thing. Yeah, the, yeah. Because uh, like, yeah, the pro, you know, he talks about progress, right? It doesn't have to be this massive jump, right? You don't have right. to get to the mountaintop tomorrow. It's For a sure. small incremental wind each and every yeah. day. And you start building some momentum on that. Hell yeah. I think that's where it could really be helpful for folks. Well, it's um, fucked up because when, when you do get to the mountain, you're like, where's the next biggest one? So, you, you know, I think anyone, if you actually reflect on you hitting those mountaintops, you're like, why the hell would it ever be about getting on top, you know, getting to the top of the mountain? It's about, you yeah. know, just moving a little bit faster every day. Well, and I think too, and, and we're maybe going a little long winded on this, but you know, to that point there, like I'm using a visual now, but you just mentioned, you kind of get to that one peak and you're like, Oh my God, there's another mountain. But yeah. what I always look at is looking back, right. Right. Is looking back down and like, well, I did Jesse Itzler has a great quote. He's like, I didn't come this far to only come this far. And it's like, you've already put in the work and you've, you've gotten, you know, a good amount. So why stop now? Why not just for keep sure. going and keep kind of, you know, again, even if it's incremental, keep moving in that direction. Okay. And I think from what you're talking about from a fitness and health standpoint, you have to start putting those you know breadcrumbs out in front of you. But at the same time, if you stop, you'll go back to your old way. 
and and some folks have you know unfortunately go through that struggle of up and down sure. so if you keep moving forward i think that gives you an opportunity to really look back and say man i've come a long way what could it look like if i keep going another month like, six months year and, agree, uh, and that should hopefully give people more motivation you know i think so too so cool man all right where can everyone find you online um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. So it's just my first and last name, Anthony A-R-A-N-D is in dad, R-E-A. Um, and then just Google search my name, reach out with any questions or anything like that. Happy to, happy to respond and help when I can. Um, but yeah, man, that's the easiest way to find me for sure. Cool. All right. I always like to end on this. You know, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I always scribble down different notes and all this yeah. jazz. Um, cause just cause I, I, I love learning. If, obviously you, you've had a lot of great insights on here already, but what's something where maybe it's a, a quote you live by, maybe it's something, you know, some advice you've gotten from a mentor, something that really empowers you every day that you would share with the community, uh, maybe can help them kind of just get started in their own journey. Yeah, I think it's uh, what we talked about earlier. I think it's being addicted to failure. And that sounds so weird and funny, but um, addicted to failure for me is, is the number one thing that sticks with me because you either you either succeed or you grow is what I started looking at. There's no such thing as failure. And the more today I can fall on my face, the more tomorrow I'm going to be able to stand on my, my, my feet better. So it's like, like if I'm not failing enough throughout the day, I'm fucking up somewhere. If, if, if I'm not misspending $10,000 today, if I'm not hiring the wrong person, if I'm not uh, getting fired by a partner, like if something's going, not going wrong, I'm being too conservative and, and I'm not, and, and I'm not moving as quickly as I could. And uh, I think that fail fast and that um, addicted to failure is uh, a lot of people are too scared to, and I don't know if it's an ego thing. I don't know if it's just, we're just trained to, to try and be perfect all the time. But I, I think the, the perfection comes from the imperfection. You know, it's like, what is it? Uh, MJ, I've, I missed that shot. 99 times to make it the one or, you know, whatever um, I fucked up that quote, but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it, yeah. it's really becoming addicted to that failure is, is the number one advice I would leave with people. Uh, and just kind of just think through what that, what that means for you and, and how you can apply it. Anthony, this has been a pleasure, man. Enjoy the, uh, enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining and sharing. Likewise, brother. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Anthony and excited for you guys to check him out more, kind of check some of his videos online. There's some great stuff there. Um, one thing I did want to parse into a little bit deeper, um, I, I like to do a little wrap up from now and then. And one of the big things, so there's a lot we can talk about, but one of the big things that we discussed in this episode that I thought was relevant to bring up a little deeper is around imposter syndrome. You know, he mentioned, you know, feeling like you're not doing enough not making a difference enough. And I know I go through that a ton. It's actually why it took me like two years to start this podcast initially. And I know a lot of folks out there, whether you're just getting started or you've been doing something for a while, I know a lot of folks feel that way. Feel like you're not good enough, not worthy enough, which is so weird because in the way that, you know, think about this, right? You always encourage friends and push friends and family to go accomplish things and, and you're there kind of having their back. But for some reason, we don't have our own back. It's like we kick ourselves so much. Um, I don't know why we do that, but we're so we're so awful to ourselves in terms of what we can accomplish and, and giving that confidence that I think that's one of the big keys. You know, for me, it was, you know, being a, around a lot of different circles over the last, you know, whatever, a couple dozen years, right? Um, and now stepping outside, you know, maybe in some new circles, but really stepping outside those comfort zones and ultimately having to hang my hat somewhere different. Not that I don't talk or uh, hang out with those folks, love a lot of those folks, but they might think a little different than me and I, I might want to do some different things in the world and that's okay. But for me, it was getting that acceptance because that was something I always struggled with kind of growing up of getting that acceptance um, into groups and stuff like that. But now that I really look at it and the kind of the self-awareness piece I've really done over the last year that has been valuable for me, is really just understanding who I am and giving myself the shot in the arm when needed to convince myself that, wait, I, ha I am confident. I can do it. I can make a difference. I am good enough. You know, and that's what propels me kind of forward when I do get in those tough periods. Um, there's two things I'll mention that I have written down on my mirror. I look at every morning and they're just two uh, kind of quotes or questions. One is it says, why can't it be you? So I ask myself this question a lot when I get down or I think that, ah, you know what, I'm trying to do this you know, business or I'm trying to help that group or whatever, like, nah, I'm not, I'm not good enough. And I start kicking myself. I ask, why can't it be me? Why am I not good enough? Why does it have to be someone else out there in the world that actually takes this step? Because there's a ton of people before me 
that have taken steps where they've been in, you know, in a, in a comfort zone and need to step out of it. And they needed to really understand and see what the breadth that they could do with their life. Um, and that's where I'm at a point where I'm at. So why can't it be you is something I ask myself almost every single morning to keep moving forward and understand that I am good enough to, uh, to make a difference I want to see in the world. And the second, um, it comes from David Goggins. Some of y'all may recognize David Goggins name. Um, you may have read his book, Can't Hurt Me. I absolutely recommend the audio version if you haven't. Uh, but he asked himself all the time, whether it was, you know, in SEAL training or his endurance races or whatever, you know, he asked himself, you know, why are you here? And he goes back to that question to get in a better mindset when he starts getting down on himself and convincing his himself, his mind that he can't do something. He keeps reflecting back. Why is he here in the first place? What are the reasons and, and the, the struggles that he went through to get himself to this point? So why would he not continue forward? He's here for a reason. He made a commitment to himself, and let's pr press forward. Um, Jesse Isler has a great quote that I, I love to uh, reference where it says, I didn't come this far to only come this far. And it's kind of in a similar light with, uh, with the Goggins quote of why are you here or that question. So those are two things I'd recommend. If you do have imposter syndrome, I'd love to hear about it. Maybe it's something we can chat through it and, and kind of converse on. Um, head over to my website, select a 15-minute call in my contact form, and uh, we'll set up a time. But I'm just always curious to hear, you know, who's going through those same struggles. How do you get through it? What are ways that you overcome it? So hopefully these two questions that I ask myself uh, will be helpful for you guys as well. But look forward to the chance to uh, connect with you all further. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.